is morning. We're at it again. Got a connection going out. No, no stream to video yet. It's coming. Coming, YouTube. So, can't tell. It's cold down here, so I might put it on. But we are, we are RMFing it today. Back to the old, the old plan. It's going to be a RMF day. Thursday RMF day. Talking about the RMF. Got some questions that came in about uh, implement step. Implement step. Come on, man. That's the shortest one ever, right? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the implement step. Why is it... Why is it so challenging? Hmm. This is where all the work's done, right? This is where... We do all our work. We get all the work done. So let's uh, let's get the morning going. Let's talk about the implement step. So get the uh, big cup of cyber morning roll, and then we'll be right back. Sometimes, Stream Deck doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It just doesn't. It doesn't do it. We need some coffee. Today our coffee's in a Kansas City mug. It's always a good time for some Illy coffee in the morning. High octane coffee. Let's get our... Why? Oh, there we go. Rainier, good morning. Morning, yo. Good to see the normal crew coming back. I know I've been away. It's going to take a while to get everybody back in the stream of things. Back in the morning. Morning cup of cyber routine. 7.30 a.m. East Coast time. Time to have a cup of coffee. And talk about computers and security and risk and all the things that we need to talk about. Piper was wandering around down here. The pup. Piper the pup. Come to see what's going on. Why are we talking to ourselves? Is what Piper's saying, but we're not. We're talking to the YouTube world. So today we're talking about implementing controls. Implement. This is the implement step of the RMF. Um, implement should, should be so easy. There's two tasks. These are two tasks implement controls and update the control implementation documentation, right? So in, in the select step, you know, that's one of the things new with one of the things new with RMF 2.0 versus the original RMF when RMF first came out is in that in that select step when we're selecting controls, we also document how they're going to be implemented, which makes sense if we're thinking about this. We're planning the system. That's what we're doing in the in the select step, right? Um we're, we're selecting the control. So we categorize the information, we categorize the information system, and then we went through, and based on that categorization, we came up with our initial control set, and then we tailored it. We said, these are gonna be inherited, these are gonna be hybrid, these are gonna be system controls. Here's controls I don't think we need, and here's controls I think we need to add. We ended up with, here's the, 
Here's the set of controls. These are the requirements for security when we build the system. So, okay, now we've got our set of controls. And in that step, when we're thinking about, okay, how am I going to build my system? I have to think of each of those controls. How am I going to require eight character passwords on all of my components? How am I going to do user training? Um, how am I going to do role-based training? How am I going to do auditing and logging and monitoring? How am I going to do all these things? And I've got to go into each of those controls in our security plan. And I have to say, for my Windows system, I'm going to use Active Directory for my um, identification and authentication. And so I'm going to inherit those controls from the Active Directory approved ATO and their SSP. I'm going to say, okay, those controls I'm going to inherit. I'm good to go. I want those. So in my, SS, in my SSP, I say, under those controls for password length and things like that, I write, this is inherited from Active Directory. Here's their active ATO, and they're good to go. So I think, okay, I'm good to go. I'm good to go on that control, right? Uh, training. I've got to do awareness training. Well, awareness training is handled by the organization's training program. They do that every year. They take care of it. I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to inherit it from them. Okay, cool. Inherited that. Um, backups. Well, backup something maybe I've got to do. Okay, how am I going to do backups? I've got to determine all this stuff in the select step. The other thing I have to do way back then is determine how I'm going to monitor these controls. That way I can figure how much is this system going to cost me, right? And this is before we build anything. Uh, and so we, we, we determine back then this is how I'm going to implement it and this is how much it's going to cost me in time or resources to to implement those controls. And here's how I'm going to continuously continuously monitor those controls, right? So I need to monitor the controls on the frequency required by the organization or by, you know, my higher headquarters. Eric's here this morning. Two in a row, Eric, you're back to you're back in the game. Good to see you. So now I've done that. I've, I've, I've determined all that stuff in the select step. Now comes the implement step. And again, we've got these two control or two tasks in this one step. The first one is implement the controls, right? That means that as the system owner and as the security professional supporting the system owner, normally an ISO or an information system security officer, I'm going to go and work with people, right? Because normally the security folks or the system owner aren't the ones that are going to be implementing this stuff. Normally, it's going to be someone like a system admin or a network admin or a developer or somebody like that is going to be the person that's actually implementing the controls. So as we're building the system, I need to work with the server admin or the desktop support people or whoever is implementing these controls, and I need to make sure they get implemented correctly, right? I also need to go work with the common control providers, right? So maybe I'm getting my antivirus service for my system from a common control provider. Maybe there's an organization-wide antivirus, anti-malware program that I'm just going to use their service. I'm going to get the, the application from them. I'm going to, maybe it's going to be, maybe it's going to, that's probably going to be just an inherited control. I'll inload it, I'll load it on my system, but they will provide the service, right? So I have to go get with them and I need to say, okay, how do I get this loaded on this type of system? How do I get it loaded on this type of system? How do I get into your monitoring system? How do I make sure that, 
updates to the dat file or the the information files is getting to my systems how do i make sure that my systems um feed is coming back to you so if i get a system that's compromised by a virus how does that get reported back up how do i make sure all that's working so even though it's an inherited control i hate i need to make sure it's implemented correctly on my system and then for those system controls i need to make sure they're implemented correctly if i'm if I'm responsible for backups, if I'm doing backups, I need to go make sure that that backup program's working. I mean, you make sure maybe I'm doing it, maybe I'm doing it old school. Maybe I've got to go to each system and plug in an external drive and download it. How do I build that program? That's implementing. And the one thing we may not realize is I may have planned to implement it one way when I was planning back in the last step. And lo and behold, when I go to implement, I'm like, I, maybe I, maybe that antivirus, maybe the antivirus I thought I was going to use doesn't work on the system I'm implementing. For some reason, it, 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 it's not compatible with the program. Obviously, that's a pro problem we're going to have to deal with, but now we're implementing. Now, maybe I have to buy a different antivirus program. So that means I've got to go through and update that control documentation. So in, in the planning stage, we documented how we were planning on doing it. If I change any of that, if I change the way I planned on implementing the control, now I have to go back in and update that documentation. So that's for your system controls, that's for your hybrid controls, that's for your inherited controls. If any of that changed from how you had planned to do it, then you've got to update it. You've got to go in and update it because your SSP, your control documentation, needs to match exactly how you implement the control. That way, when the control assessor or your auditors or whoever comes around, they'll look at your SSP and it's going to say, I'm getting antivirus services from a common control provider. Here's their SSP. And then they can look at the system and say, yes, that's true. That's exactly how you're getting your antivirus. But if in your documentation it says, I'm getting my antivirus from a common control provider, and then they look at the system and it's a totally different type of antivirus and is being managed at the system level, they're going to say no. That's a mismatch. And if we look in the way our assessment documentation goes for the assessment step, which is, of course, the next step, one of the things the assessor is going to look at is, does the implementation match the documentation? Does the way it's implemented match the SSP? And if that's a no, that's a finding. So your documentation has to match your actual implementation. So once you implement the control, if it's not implemented as you planned in the select step, you got to update it. You got to go through and update it. That's why this step, or this, yeah, this step looks easy. There's two tasks, right? There's implement the control and document, update the documentation. Two things, much, a piece of cake, right? Two controls. But this is the point where you're going to spend a lot of your time because you have to actually implement those controls. Richard's here this morning. Good morning, sir. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, so let's think about this. Let's think about this. Okay. A lot of times we don't conceptualize how things are going. And this is going to be the weirdest and maybe the simplest system you'll ever see in the RMF, right? So we've got a, a computer, we've got a database, whoops, and, ah, oh, that was supposed to be a one second here. Let's get this, let's get this updated. I've got to find, there we go. 
This last one shouldn't be a second computer. No, no, no. There we go. Okay. So now we got this. We got here is our here's our system, right? This is the system we're talking about. And in the implement stage, we'll look at something like password management, right? Identification and authentication, IA controls. We looked when we went, when we documented the system, we said this piece of cake, right? Active Directory takes care of all my Windows authentication. So my passwords, password resets, password length, strength, all that stuff around password management is going to be taken care of by Active Directory, the Active Directory team. I'm going to inherit all of it. So it's piece of case cake in my in my select stage, in my documentation, when I documented how I was going to implement password management, I just said, hey, it's inherited. I talked to those guys. They've got a good valid SSP. They've got a valid ATO. I'm going to inherit those password controls from the Active Directory team. Now I go to implement my system. I'm implementing my system. And if we look, we've got three components here. We've got a computer. Let's say it's a, a Windows 10 computer. But now we've got a database is part of our system. It's a my say MySQL database. And we've got a router. Let's say it's a Cisco router. Um, Active Directory is not going to provide password management normally for the network gear or the database. Those may be they may be handled individually. They may not be handled by Active Directory. This computer, good to go. Now in my documentation, I've said this is an inherited control. I'm going to inherit this control from the Windows team. Well, maybe that's not true. Maybe now I've got to go back. I've got to go back and update that documentation to say, okay, for this computer, Active Directory. For this router, this router, got to do this weird. For this router, the network team is going to handle that. And I'm going to inherit those controls from network team. Or maybe, maybe that's a router that I'm managing within the system. So now I have to have system controls for how how that router its passwords being managed. And now the database up there, the database, got to got to do this weird. The database maybe it's managed by the database team. Maybe it is managed by Active Directory or maybe I've got to manage it myself. So now I've got to think these three components they have to be documented in the SSP. So in control documentation, I may have had this as a inherited control from Active Directory, piece of cake. Now when I go to implement it, I may have to find out that, okay, I'm going to inherit, I've got to write this up for the Windows machines. And maybe this workstations and servers. Maybe you got both. For the Windows machines, my identification and authentication controls around passwords are going to be inherited from Active Directory. I'm running my own MySQL database and I will be managing the passwords. Now here's how I'm managing that. Now I've got to document exactly how I'm managing that database password. How am I making sure the length is right, the complexity is right, the rotation is right. All those things that Active Directory is taking care of for my machine here, my computer, I've got to take care of ah, for that database over there. And then I've also got to make an entry for this, this, I'll get used to this, this router. So I've got to make an entry. Hey, I'm going to maybe inherit password management for the router 
from the network team. They're going to take care of that. Wow. So this is this goes from a simple statement of I'm going to inherit password management controls from Active Directory to these three individual components. So it's important to document it correctly. The assessor will come around. When the assessor comes around, they're going to check to see, first of all, the first check we do is examine, right? We examine the documentation. We're going to look at policy. We're going to look at your SSP. We're going to look at how the documentation is set, how you're telling me this is implemented. I'm going to look at your documentation and it's going to say, our systems are managed, passwords are managed by Active Directory. Okay, cool. I know how to assess Active Directory. I'll just look at the GPO. I'll check the GPO or maybe I'll just scan the system with something like Qualys or Nessus. Uh, piece of cake. I know. Good to go. I, I know. I, I've got that in my assessment plan. Now I get on site and when I look at your system, um, and hopefully I would have noticed this back when I was looking at your architecture or your data flow diagrams, but when I look at your system, it's not just a Windows box. It's a Windows box, a MySQL database, and a Cisco router. I'm like, oh, so first, there's your first ding right there. First, first finding, your documentation does not match the actual implementation. Now, when I go look at it, okay, how is your database set up? If the database was one of the things you were supposed to be managing, if you didn't document how you're managing it, maybe when it was implemented by the database admin, they didn't put those requirements in. You didn't document it. You didn't say the password has to be eight characters long. You didn't say it's got to have uppercase, lowercase, numeric, and special characters. So when they built the database, maybe they left the default credentials in there. Um, and then the network team, they, they may or may not have done what they need to do. So when the assessor rolls in, first thing they're going to find is your paperwork doesn't match the system. So that's a finding. Number two, did the system builders, the folks that configured the system, did they know what they had to do to configure the system? They didn't have your documentation. So how did they? They didn't have your implementation plan. That was in your SSP system security plan. It's my plan of how I'm going to do security. They didn't have that. So did the database admins, did they actually put the requirements that are in there? So now findings are starting to come. You're going to start to get, you're going to finding your document doesn't match. Uh, you're going to get a finding that maybe default credentials are still set on your database. You're going to get a finding that you don't have the minimum requirement uh, password length on your database. All these things are going to start coming in. And then in the assessment report, there's the big ugly truth. Your system is not secure. Or maybe your system is technically secure, but it doesn't match your documentation. Those are still findings, right? I don't know. What do you guys think? You guys been in this case? There's a lot of people that get hung up on documentation in the implement step. And if we think back to RMF1, RMF1, there was no documentation until after you implemented, which is weird because now you don't have a plan on how to implement those controls. So they did, NIST did a good job. They backed that up. They said, in reality, we need to have a plan for how we're going to document each control. And then we're going to use that plan to actually do the control implementation. And then after the control implementation, anything that's changed, anything that wasn't implemented as we planned, we update the SSP. We update the control implementation because it's a living document. So that's what this step is all about. That's why it takes so long. 
So let's say you have a low impact system and you did some tailoring and you maybe remove some controls and maybe you have some inheritance. You're down to 100 controls, maybe 50 of those you have to implement. Now you have to implement 50 controls. You have to go through each of those and make sure they're implemented correctly and make sure they're documented correctly. And that's an art too. Um, obviously we talk about control documentation in the select step. There's not a reason really to talk about it again now other than we update that to match the current configuration of the system. And the SSP, really technically the SP, because we talk about the security plan or the plan, it's a living document, just like the plan of action and milestones and just like the uh, security assessment report. They get added to and changed over time. So as things change in the way you implement controls, you need to make sure that the plan, your security plan, your security and privacy plan, your security, system security plan, whatever you want to call it, is updated with the concurrent control implementation. So later, when we get to the monitoring stage, which used to be step six, when we get to the monitoring step, if things change, maybe along the way, uh, Active Directory just say it's, it's gonna take over managing the, the MySQL passwords, whatever. We have to update it again. We have to continually update the SSP. Maybe additional controls are added. We have to add them, we have to implement them, and then we have to update it. So that's what, that's what this task, these tasks, this step is all about, guys. It's all about ensuring the controls are implemented correctly. They're providing the level of protection that's needed for your system based on the risk of the system. They're providing the output they need to provide and they're documented correctly. So what do you think? Anybody challenged with this in their in their day-to-day -day career? Have you, have you dealt with this? Have you dealt with this type of, type of thing? This it this is this is implementing controls. It's it's a huge huge part of the RMF. Um, welcome back to RMF Thursday. Later, I will take and throw up there. Throw up. Probably not a good term. I will put in the the banner. I'll put one of those little clicky things that'll take you to. Uh, the, the details of this this task, this step. And uh, you can read more about it there. You can check out more about it. You know that, that there's an entire video series on the RMF, right, on the Cyber Recon channel on YouTube. You can follow it lockstep sometime, probably Monday. Um, the lab guide will be out. So you can get a lab guide that has links to every one of the videos for every one of the tasks, for every one of the things. Not sure if we'll put that on Amazon or if we'll just put it on the webpage and you can buy it for... 10 bucks or whatever. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see. And folks going through the class are doing a great job. So uh, Mike is here. Good morning, Mike. Good to see you. Welcome back to the fold. Back in the back in the mix again. Um, it is RMF Thursday, so hope you guys are doing good. I'm always going to tell you, Mike Bravo is not here today. I tell you, go get some. I'll tell you. Take care of your friends, your family, co-workers. Take care of each other. It is a community. We're building a community here. We're trying to build a community here around security and privacy, cyber technology, all the stuff that we need to worry about. Um, 
If you want to listen to this, I, I always forget to say this, if you want to listen to this in audio only, if you want to listen to the audio version, it is available on all of the podcast environments. You know, it's in Apple, it's out there on Amazon, it's on the plate, wherever you pull podcasts from, I am hopefully, it's going out to like 10 or 12 different places. So if you want to listen to audio only, you can grab audio only, it's out there. Um, as this is the standard YouTube channel, I say hit the smash, destroy, whatever. Like the channel, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell to be notified when we go live. We're going live again. Um, we're going to get some pre-recorded videos out as well because they're a little flashier, right? We do a little more editing. Don't have me making as many mistakes because we're not live. I like the live ones because then we get interaction with some people like Rainier and Eric and Richard and Mike. Everybody gets to chime in. And if you don't understand something, you can let me know. You can throw a question out there and say, hey, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you say about updating documentation. What documentation am I updating? Because I didn't create any documentation in the last step. Well, that's a problem. You should have. Should have been created back there because how do you know how much it's going to cost to implement the controls? How much? How do you know how much it's going to cost to monitor the controls? If you don't do that stuff in the select step, how do you know? How do you know how much this stuff is? So that's what I'm going to tell you. It's part of the RMF. RMF is an integral part of security. If you're in security or you're in cyber and you don't think you need to know about risk management, you are sadly mistaken. We can't afford to implement all of the security controls. You can't. You can't afford to do them all. And you can't afford to do them all on every system. So you have to have a risk-based approach that says, for this type of system, this is good enough. And that's what risk management is all about. This is good enough to protect this level of information. It goes back to the old adage, you don't spend a million dollars protecting a $10,000 piece of data or computer. You don't do it. It makes no sense. So think about it. Until tomorrow, I'm Jim with the OR. Morning cup of cyber. Hope to see you tomorrow. If you're watching later in the day, um, just hit me with that hashtag restream uh, down in the chat. Let me know you're watching later. It's worthwhile if you like the RMF Thursdays back on. We're trying to get back on track with the plan for what the live streams are because they got a little bit off, off track. Uh, tomorrow, actually probably Monday, we'll have, uh, maybe tomorrow, we'll have the news of the actual um, who made the cohort. Who made the cohort? Oh, Eric, excellent, excellent news. Job, Eric's working, are you working? I'm hoping you're working in cyber because that's what the whole plan was to get you in cyber and we haven't talked a little bit. Uh, whoops. But the implementation is done by the ISO. Mike, yeah, you, well, yes, the responsibility is the ISO, but think about it. Um, if it's, if it's a control, let's say it's a, a network control, right? It's a, a control within the router, within our friend the router, right? It's a control within the router. A lot of times the ISO is not going to have specific detailed information on each of the components they're working with. So they're going to work with an information system security engineer, or they're going to work with system administrators, and they're going to say, the ISO is generally going to say, hey, system administrator, hey, network administrator, 
for the piece of network component, let's say we're talking about this router, for this router, the password has to be eight characters long. And the password has to be complex. And here's what I mean by complex. The ISO will give that information to the network admin, and the network admin will actually do the implementation. Um, in rare cases, in small, some small organizations, the ISO will be responsible for doing all that stuff. But in large organizations, moderate to large organizations, the ISO will be responsible for it, right? Maybe the system owner is accountable. They're ultimately accountable. The, the ISO is responsible, and someone else is actually doing it. Network admin, system admin, uh, uh, server admin, database admin. Somebody else is doing that control. But it is the ISO is responsible for the implementation. They're responsible for saying, here are the security requirements, network admin. Here's what you need to do. So in that case, yeah, they're, they're, they're re responsible for it. But they're, in a lot of cases, they're not going to actually do it. They're going to work with an engineer. They're going to work with a system admin to actually, that person will actually do the implementation. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, to do, to do, Rainier is saying, nice. I'm assuming that's too. Eric's awesome news this morning about going to work. And uh, I think Al, uh, Mike, I've got your question mark on a second line. Is that what you're talking about, right? So think about it. ISO is responsible. ISO does all the documentation. The ISO, in a lot of cases, think about it. What I always say, I always say, your first job in security, if you can, if you can swing it this way, be an ISO because you're going to be exposed to so much stuff. Um, and a lot of times, let's say you are that ISO, your, your, your first job, I'm showing up, I passed my security plus, I got me a job with the DOD, maybe I'm working for um, a, a system component within the army, and I show up my first day, security, security plus under my belt, and I go and they say, all right, implement these 20 controls, and it's got to be implemented on a, a Cisco network. And you go, wow, um, I'm not, honestly, I'm not qualified to do that, right? But that's not the way the program's set up. The program's set up, you say, here's my requirements. I, I know how to do that, right? I've been through the CAP, right? Maybe I got CAP certified, got Security Security Plus. I know how to do the RMF. I know how controls work. I can now go to the network admin with my list of requir requirements and say, hey, network admin, I, I have to have an eight character password. I have to have uppercase, lowercase. Here's what, here, I'm gonna give you this list. I'm gonna give you this part of the SSP that covers the network gear, the requirements that I'm giving you, here's the S, maybe I'm going to just give you the whole SSP. Now in those parts where we talk about network gear, you've got to implement those controls. And I'll come back later and we'll talk about how you implemented them and we'll update the document. And then guess what, network admin, in the next step, an independent assessor is going to come in and validate you put them in correctly. So we need to do this right, right? Eric, perfect job. The perfect job within the VA. Awesome. VA is expanding. I think the VA has done a lot of, of good work in the past. So I'm assuming that VA is Veterans Administration. Obviously, I'm a veteran, so I'm, I'm, thank you for your, uh, um, your work over there. God, it's a, it's, the organization takes care of a lot of people. So ISO, you know, Eric, you know how I feel about that. I think that's the perfect perfect job as you're coming into security um, and you're going to get beat up <laughs> and that's the unfortunate downside of it is the ISO gets all of the work that the system owner doesn't want and a lot of times it's complex and that's why it's such a good job 
you'll be exposed to networking. You'll be exposed to servers. You'll be exposed to databases. You're exposed to all this stuff, and it's because normally, I don't know, probably the same where you're at, normally the system owner doesn't want to deal with it. So, so good job. Uh, Mike's throwing a good job out there for Eric. I think it's awesome. Have to let us know how it's gonna go, how it's going. Um, just excellent news, excellent news. Richard saying same thing. Congratulations to Eric. Again, I would love to see these kind of things. This is the this is the community. This is community type stuff. Someone gets ahead. We all try to help each other get ahead. Try to move forward. Try to get the industry moving forward. That's what this is all about. So. Big old thumbs up. Someday when we can get beers together, maybe we'll get a beverage of your choice and um, celebrate it. But right now, we're COVID, COVID down, so that makes it hard. We can have a virtual cup of coffee, so a big cheers to Eric Izzo uh, extraordinaire. <laughs> but that wraps us up today. A little bit over where I wanted to be, but that's okay. We'll take extra time for the good news bishop's just coming on sorry bishop you're you're at the end of it um that's okay bishop you look strange strange like somebody else i know um is it uh is does is it as part of the security control assessor shouldn't the ISO should never do this guy's job. Um, remember, the security control assessor is independent. Um, so, yeah, you, you shouldn't. If you're in an organization where the information system security officer, the person that's implementing the controls or is responsible for implementing the controls, is also assessing the controls, that's a conflict of interest. That should never happen. And, and I'm thinking it's a, it's a security control assessor um, and AO's representative. That's what the SCAR is, I think. Um, it, it, yeah, you should. those are separate roles. They should be independent. There are very few cases where the ISO and the security control assessor should be the same person. And that's determined, remember, that's determined, that independence is determined by the AO. And the AO can say, because this system is so weird, it's so unique, that the ISO is the only one that can actually assess this correctly, they can make those exceptions. But in very, 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 I mean, very rare exceptions, that should happen. We have a conflict of interest when the person who implemented the controls is the person that assesses the controls. Because if they implement them poorly and they want a good review, then when they go to assess, they just say, yeah, they're implied. Yeah, they, they look great. So we don't ever want that. We want the, the assessor to be imp the independent of the system. And the ISO normally works for the system. The SCA normally works for the AO. So um, normally you shouldn't have that that conflict. That's a that's a pretty serious conflict of interest. Cheers, Eric. Eric gets a big old thank you. Okay. Quick question. Recently passed my ISC cap and SEC plus any suggestions of what type of job to search for everything currently requires a clearance which I don't possess um, so I'm gonna guess you're out in the DC area right that's that's the that's probably an indicator uh, although 
although they require a clearance, I would apply for them anyways. Um, don't, and especially if it's a, um, a knack or a background, just a simple background check, like a, um, I forget what they call the low, the, actually the low one. It's the, uh, suitability, right? The suitability, um, or secret clearance. If it's one of those two, I would apply for it anyways. And here's why. If you apply for it and you're the best qualified candidate, they may go ahead and run you through the security process, especially the security, security, um, man, the secret clearance, because secret clearance is a lower, lower level clearance, and it's a little faster to do, and it's a little cheaper for them to do. So if they can't find any other candidates that are qualified, which it sounds like you're qualified, CAP plus, security plus, they may say, you're the best qualified candidate, we'll move you through the clearance process, and then maybe you'll have to agree to stay on with them for like a year or two or whatever to recoup the cost of you going through the, the security um, clearance process. Yeah, a lot of stuff's going to require clearance. It's going to require some type of clearance or some kind of background check because it is security. But don't let that keep you from applying. Apply, apply, apply. When, and that's assuming you can pass, you know, you think you can pass the background check. Um, do well in the interview. I think um, Mike's right. Uh, Mike's right here. See, make sure you're doing the well in the interview. Go in there and be the best qualified candidate. If you're the best qualified candidate and they've got to get your clearance, they may do it, especially if it's a bigger contracting company. Look at some of the bigger ones like um, Lidos and SAIC and Lockheed Martin and GDIT. Those big companies, they have what's called the bench, right? And if if you're the best, if, if you're a good qualified candidate, strong candidate, and they can see that and you have a good, a good interview, they can put you on the bench while your clearance is going through. And while you're on the bench, maybe you're taking care of stuff for the home office. Maybe you're doing stuff around, you know, taking care of some networking for uh, folks there. Maybe even you're working uh, as, as much as you might not want to do it. They may put you on a job like a help desk while your clearance goes through. And then when your clearance goes through, they can put you in that security job. But I've always said, if you don't think you, if you think you're close, but you don't meet the requirements, uh, you know, maybe, the, maybe you don't have the college degree. Or in this case, maybe you don't have the clearance. And it's something like secret or... Um, the other one, I forget what the other one is. There's another name for that, that suitability one. Um, put it in anyways, apply for it anyways. Talk, at least talk to the first level hiring people. Um, especially out here, you're going to see a ton of jobs that require clearance. And the problem is there's a ton of people out here that have clearances, but, uh, let's see, there's two tons of jobs and one ton of people. So there's still unfilled jobs. So those unfilled jobs have to be filled by someone. And sometimes you might, you just, maybe out of 15 interviews, two or three are going to give you the opportunity to get that clearance. So you got it. Got to start. Got to start. Um, just do it anyways. Yeah. Perfect. So that's where we're at. It's a good Thursday morning. I'll call, you know, I'll call it Friday Eve. And, uh, and we got beers tomorrow, probably. Uh, I think beers are beers are in the forecast. So, you guys, go out and do a good thing. Do good, do good work today. Go do good work. Um, like I said, take care of your friends, family, coworkers. Take care of each other, and I will see you guys in the morning.